Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. Today we're talking to the CEO of a Cheshire-based award-winning charity that was founded back in 2002. Currently, the cost of living crisis is causing huge problems for them. However, they soldier on and having successfully navigated through the pandemic, they now have 34 employees, 6 trustees and 89 volunteers. The charity has recently won an award at the South Cheshire Chamber of Commerce and Industry Business Awards for excellence in collaboration. And we're pleased to welcome today's guest, Charles Maines of the Wishing Well Hearing Crew. Charles, welcome to Business Brunch. Thank you. Good morning. Charles, prior to joining the Wishing Well, you were working as a strategic lead in physical activity and health for Active Cheshire. So tell us more about this position and the the skills you developed and detail why you chose to accept the position of CEO at the Wishing Well. My my interest or my passion has always been uh, physical activity and sport. Um, I really value its importance in terms of, you know, how it can bring communities together, how it can improve general health and well-being and just from a you know an interest point of view like I say sport and physical activities has always been something um, that I've enjoyed um, but I think when a, when an opportunity obviously presented itself at the Wishing Well which was and still is a, a very well respected well-known organisation you know it was an opportunity which I wanted to take it was something I wanted to challenge myself with and knew it would be completely different really in terms of the role that I was that I had at the time and then speaking with the board, speaking to a couple of people locally, uh, it was it was yeah it was, it was something I really wanted to get my teeth into. Like I say, challenge myself. I think in terms of some of the skills that I developed back at Active Cheshire and then earlier on in my career, whether that's Cheshire East Council or, or other roles that I've had, um, I learned very quickly really that you can't do everything on your own uh, as an individual or as an organisation, and you have to work with others. You have to collaborate. You have to cooperate. Um, you have to, to build a strong network and a lot of the challenges that might face one individual or one organisation you know, are actually challenges for other people as well. So I, I think collaboration in particular was, was one of the key skills that, that I learned or developed and the ability to, to, to talk to people, to empathise with people, sympathise with people um, and, and, and to form strong partnerships, strong relationships to tackle those challenges and I think you know I, I joined the Wishing Well in 2017 and since that time we've we've probably faced the biggest challenge uh, within a generation so or, or a couple of generations so it's you know that those skills those those qualities if you like were, were really put to the test over the last few years uh, and as you mentioned at the start that we've, we've been able to navigate through that particularly challenging period um, and now we we embark on the next challenge as, as you mentioned which is the the cost of living crisis. You look after 30 or more employees, but you also have to manage a very large number of volunteers, which is quite a different skill. So how do you manage both wearing the two different hats? Well, I think firstly, we've got, we've got a very strong team. We've got skilled professionals, experienced professionals who, who lead their areas. My style in particular is to very much allow our managers to manage. I don't like to interfere too much on the detail. Um, I don't certainly don't want to to line manage other other people's other people's areas. Um, I, I trust our colleagues to be able to lead, and 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 that's how we've been able to build a, a strong team. I think fundamentally, the Wishing Well has always had a core 
group of volunteers, people who are who are incredibly kind and selfless, really, in terms of giving their time, hours on end, week in, week out, come rain or shine, um, and none more so, like I say, than during the last few years when it's been incredibly challenging for people because at times we've had to tell, say to people, actually, you know, we need to, you know, we need people to socially isolate, or we need to pe- people to work in bubbles, or, or whatever it was at that time. But they stuck with us, and and and, and now we've got a, a, like I say, a very strong team coming out the other side of the pandemic. Um, and day in, day out, we've got we've got multiple volunteers. But like I say, I, I think fundamentally it's down to a, a, a strong core group of volunteers, but also a strong team as well who are able to manage those those individuals. Uh, particularly well. Now the Wishing Well is a registered charity and your mission is to improve the health and well-being of local people by providing a range of services. So uh, share with us your key aims and detail how you support the local community. Well fundamentally that's that's on the foundation of the organisation which was you know back in 2002 to tackle the, the health inequalities within the particularly within the west end of Crewe uh, which you know in terms of local geography, was and still is one of the most deprived areas um, in in the borough of Cheshire East. Unfortunately, that position hasn't changed. You know, in in terms of over the last twenty years, despite organisations like ours and the very best efforts of others, that gap, if anything, has, has increased and has exasperated further with the with the recent pandemic. So, so we're trying to improve the health and well being of local people, um, and if we can try and design and develop new initiatives or sustain current initiatives to be able to do that. that that's fundamentally what we're trying to do. We've got six sites uh, across Crewe and Nantwich. We've got a very strong catering arm, so we deliver a meal delivery service every day, which is 100, between 100 and 120 people. We run children and families provision from a new hub in Crewe, um, which you know on a day-by-day basis is reaching local people. Um, and then we've got sites... Um, in Crewe itself, in terms of Crewe Town Centre, uh, the Jubilee House, which people may be familiar with, and uh, the George's Community Hub, which is within the west end of Crewe, which, like I say, goes back to our to our foundations and our origins. And has the level of support changed greatly since the charity was founded? I think the charity, as, as with probably most organisations, you know, it is a journey. Um, there's periods of time when, you know, we, from a from a funding point of view or from a financial point of view, the, the charity can experience periods of relative harmony, if you like, for want of a better term. And then there's there's, there's challenges, you know, when, when you know go, you go through periods, probably none more so than the last few years, when, um, you know, the trading arms of the organisation, so like I say, the catering aspects, they are affected. And we, we you know, you, you, you're always seeking partnerships, funding opportunities to, to be able to, uh, as we talked about, na- navigate through those issues. Um, but the level of support that we've had from from the business sector in particular has been remarkable. We've got significant partnerships with with Radius, um, who have who have, stand, who have stood by our side for, for many years now. Um, we've got trustees who are on our board, you know, who, who give their time, but they're, they're fundamentally their employees of Radius or, or were employees of Radius. And and the and the radius CEO Bill Holmes has been a, a huge champion of ours, um, and always a phone call away if if you know me in particular if I ever find things are, are particularly challenging he's he's there. So um, the business sector has been remarkable. You know radius who I've mentioned, but we've got Bentley Motors, Mourn Flake, um, 
you know construction links at, at a local level they you know always there really and it's uh that's that's particularly comforting because sometimes you can feel as though it can be quite an isolating role and or, or, or organization in, in some respect so to have that support there is crucial charles amongst others you collaborate as you've already said with bentley motors and radius so talk us through how you're funded and how difficult it is to encourage big business to support the wishing well so we've we've got a kind of a mixed funding model if you, if you like so before before the pandemic um i i joined the organization in 2017 and we, and we we worked very closely with with public sector partners in particular cheshire east council and and, and the and the local nhs and and we had um some significant kind of contracts in place certainly with cheshire east what i was aware of certainly kind of moving away from commissioning and, and into the into the new role was public sector funding was was you know was only going one way it was becoming um becoming less and less and, and so fundamentally when i when i joined the wishing well I, the aim was very much to become less reliant certainly on public sector funding but also just external funding as a whole i thought you know as an organization we we need to be resilient we need to be able to be self-sustainable and, and stand up on our own two feet and so from effectively from march 2017 through till till march 2020 that three-year period we'd worked incredibly hard to become a largely self-sustainable organization we we've we have and we had and we still have a, a community cafe, Eagle Bridge Health and Wellbeing Centre. We've, we've got the meal delivery service, which I've already talked about. Um, you know, the bistros, the daycare provision, luncheon clubs, all these areas, not only were they delivering an impact, but they were also, um, you know, generating income as well. We we, we did pull in some, some kind of smaller smaller project funding, which was, which was very useful and it allowed us to try new things. Um, but fundamentally, we were... We were, like I say, largely self-sustainable, and then March 2020 hit. So it, it it was one of them where we we'd worked incredibly hard to get to that position, and and I guess us and, and nobody else for that matter could foresee a global pandemic and and the very nature of the pandemic, meaning that we had to close contact-based services, we had to close the cafe, we had to close the bistro, you know, all those things, or, or certainly pause them. Sorry, all those things which, as I mentioned, were were generating an impact but also generating an income um we had to pause upon and it, and it meant literally overnight that the organization there was a, a twenty-five thousand pounds a month um kind of hole or gap uh, and, and then fundamentally we, we we had to pivot very quickly um to to be able to bridge that gap i think one of the things at the time which was available to most organisations was was the furlough scheme, um, but I think we we took the decision very early on that actually if we were to furlough our people, then as an organisation what we can't really stand up tall for our community. So we decided we were going to keep all our people. Um, no one lost a pound or penny from 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 their employment, and we set about a, a funding plan, a fundraising plan, and and we worked diligently through that and so we, we were able to work with Bentley Motors with Cheshire Community Foundation Steve Morgan Foundation uh, the National Lottery and we found certainly those first kind of 12 months of the pandemic we were financially very robust very resilient we were we were able to secure funding which allowed us to really focus on responding to the to the pandemic itself and it allowed us to 
or certainly me, I guess, uh, not to worry as much about the financial aspects of things. Can I just stop you there and take you forward? The Resolution Foundation is an independent British think tank intent on improving the standard of living of low and middle income families. And they forecast that the cost of living crisis will deepen this year and people continuing to be hit with falling pay, higher taxes and soaring bills. So share with us how the Wishing Well is dealing with this current crisis. Well, yeah, I I think that's fundamentally where we are right now. Um, We... I remember speaking to the, speaking about this at the very outset of the pandemic. Actually, um, I remember three or four months into the to the pandemic that things like furlough um, and things, you know, effectively the world had turned upside down. And at some point, you know, things were things were going to need to be paid back, if you like, um, and. I remember having conversations with 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 peers and colleagues and, and you know the the wider network about just the fact the fact that our lives have been disrupted in this way and there's going to be a ripple effect which will will probably last for many years uh, and I think um, now or certainly over the last three or four months we're starting to really experience the indirect impacts of, of the pandemic and, and you know the cost of living crisis the as you mentioned the the falling pay, higher taxes, energy bills, and so on, and, and I think what I've certainly made clear to people is we are a, a charity, but we're also a, a small business, and we're not immune to to those costs. So it's it's about being resilient again. It's about having an understanding about who we are and what we can do, managing expectations slightly, um, because you know when we get the bills through the door, we're kind of going right, okay. How are we going to pay for that one? How are we going to sort that one out? So month by month, week by week, day by day, we work incredibly hard to reduce wastage, uh, make sure that we're as efficient as we can be. Um, And I guess as part of my role to to ensure that any opportunities to work in partnership and in collaboration with others to reduce those bills or to help cover those bills, um, that's a key part of it as well. But we are in extraordinary times and you know, I, th- I think when I, when I first joined in 2017 and it was kind of very much, yeah, the challenges that most organisations face day by day, probably nothing on this level or, or for this period of time. You know, it's a sustained challenge for the last three years. We will get through it. And that, that, that's just through sheer hard work and belief and working together with other people. We know that this period, as we're in it right now and over the next, well, I don't know how long it will be and it'll be difficult to forecast, Um but it will be a challenging year uh, for us and for many others out there. Podcasts from the Cat. Charles, the, the Wishing Well employs 34 members of staff and, and manages 89 volunteers. Uh, and because of the current recruitment problem, staff retention has become hugely important. So give us an indication of how you maintain a happy and productive workforce. I think it's a really good question. And I think... I've had this conversation with a few people recently um, about leadership and management and and so on. And I think, and I don't want to simplify it too much, but I think very much it's about treating people with respect and kindness and empathy and having an understanding of perhaps what people are experiencing, whether that's in the workplace or, or at home. Um, it goes goes a very long way. As I mentioned earlier, I don't really get too too caught up in the detail 
I'm as far away from a micromanager as you could possibly be. And I, I, I trust our people to be able to do their job. But it's, but you know, that for them always to know whether it's me or the board um, or other managers within the organisation, they do have people around them. They do have people there to, to listen, uh, to support in whichever way they can. And like I said, I don't want to simplify it too much, but that's what seems to work. It, it's common sense. It's, um, like I say, treating people with, with kindness and respect and, and understanding that the value that they bring to the team um, and I think an em- empathy, an empathetic leader is, is probably one of the best leaders you can find because they have an understanding of the situation. And I, and I think as a as a husband, as a father, you know, there's there's times when, you know, life can get tough. It's, it's but having that understanding about that and, and, and speaking to colleagues about the, the things that are going on, like I say, whether that's at home or at work, and having a level of understanding uh, and not to dismiss them and, and kind of say, well, no, just get on with your job or, or whatever it may be. And I think that's a very important, like I say, maybe relatively simple skill, but such a, such a crucial one. And, and it's allowed us to retain our people. Um, as you mentioned, there's, I'm increasingly aware of there's, there's job opportunities, there's, there's, there's people who perhaps through the pandemic may want to reevaluate what they, what they want to do in life. Um, which is absolutely fine, but we've been able to retain our people and we've been able to recruit well. Um, and the team, we have a, an item on our agenda at board level every month about the health and well-being of our team. So we talk about it. We we want to make sure it's right. We want to make sure we provide a right environment for people. Um, and and you know and, and to keep working at that and not to kind of have a an arrogance about us to say yeah we've got everything right because I don't think. I don't think we do and I don't think many people do because it's something you've got to keep working at and to make sure that you've got that environment for people to, to be happy, to be healthy. Um, and then that's, you know, that's when they are prepared to not only do their job, but do it very well. And do you have a system of feedback from the staff? The team have, have the opportunity, as I say, directly through myself. Um, they can reach the board um, they can go through their manager it's it's a very fluid system um it's we, we i made the decision very early on uh, not to implement things like performance development reviews or progress reviews and, and all those kinds of things i mean i think i had that you know beaten out of me if you like when i was when i was working in other organizations i think it's important to communicate effectively but i don't think you need to be you know forms in front of you all the time and you know managing your performance here against them and, and, and so on and so forth I think it's important to have that communication there but and it very much be an open line uh, for people to approach others and, and talk about certain things in confidence and uh, that that's what seems to work with us yeah Charles nobody could argue against how important charities are to the well-being of communities across the UK so Share with us your perception of the importance of charities and how the wishing well makes its voice heard. I think this is um, people have their opinions on charities at a local level or a regional level, national level. Um, I think the organisa- our organisation, we, we position ourselves as, as that of trying to improve the health and well-being of local people. That's why we exist. We are a support system for for the NHS, um, and I think you know. Everyone's aware of the increasing challenges on our, on our NHS, and we exist to try and support that that organisation, certainly at a local level. 
and we work hand in hand with with the likes of Cheshire East and Cheshire Police, Cheshire Fire Service um, within the public sector to try and reduce um, the pressure on those public services because in turn that means that it, it lowers the costs or should lower the costs associated with with the public purse so that's why we're around and uh, and then we want to work with the private sector because fundamentally we know that there's many organizations out there that that want to give back to their local community as well um so we we kind of sit in between in between those sectors if you like um but we're here we're, we're here to to do good locally we're here to improve the health and well-being of local people and and we've been able to do that for 20 years now and then we've we've navigated through um you know economic crash back in 2008 2009 we've had some good periods in terms of things like the the london 2012 olympic and paralympic games and you know various other jubilee celebrations and so on um and then we've had you know over this, over the last few years the the increasing challenges so there's been the ebb and flow of um what happens uh an international or an in, a national level, as well as at a local level, and and the the wishing well has always stood tall for our local communities, and that's something we're incredibly proud of because I think at the outset uh, outset of the pandemic, um, there was there was a choice. I, I guess we could have maybe wrapped things up and said, actually, do you know what? We're going to uh, pause on things for a period of time until we can safely return. But the team to to every individual. Um, they stood up and said, "No, we want to be a part of the response," and um, and that's fundamentally what we did. I think we peaked at 208 meals um, delivered on one particular day. Um, over the course of the two years of the pandemic, we delivered over 100,000 meals, and it's it's that kind of thing really, which I always say to our team to at times, if they possibly can, to to pause and reflect on, on what's been achieved, what they've achieved. Um, during this period because it can get tough there's, there's, there's no getting away from that we, we deal with some situations which aren't particularly pleasant um, whether that's you know older older people reaching end of life situations or children and family um, breakdowns you know the, the, there's some things which which aren't necessarily too pleasant um, but we can be very proud that that we've been making people's lives better uh, for, for the last 20 years now, you're a member of the South Cheshire Chamber of Commerce and Industry, and you've recently won an award for excellence in collaboration. So tell us more about the Chamber of Commerce and give us an indication of why the award is so important to you, your staff, and to your volunteers. Well, the Chamber themselves have been um, a remarkable support over many years. Um, we, we've been members now for or certainly since I joined and probably just before as well and we've um, we've got a very strong partnership with our with our local business sector I think you know I mentioned earlier that the organization kind of fits in between or sorry our sector fits in between the public sector and the private sector um, and if anything we can bridge that gap slightly so I think the chamber itself has, has been has been able to help us do that. Um, it's, it's provided us support with regards to things like networking events, lunches, breakfasts, and, and so on, um, which have been able, which have allowed us to raise our profile. And we've got colleagues now within the team. I mean, I attend some um, some of the events, but we've got designated colleagues now within the team who who are able to go there um, and, and build that network, which is good for them, but it's, it's obviously good for us as an organisation as well. 
the award itself does a lot for us. It, I mean, it's not why we do what we do, I guess, to make that clear, but it's incredibly nice to get that recognition, to get that reward. Um, it provides that immediate kind of morale boost, that confidence boost in what we're doing. Um, but then that level of prestige as well, and it helps with discussions, it helps with networking with, with organisations to kind of, you know, it's almost like a rubber stamp really about who we are and what we do. Uh, and going back to what I was talking about at the very start of this conversation, excellence in collaboration is is crucial really, um, you know, because... I think the more that you can do, the more partnership working that you can do, the more you can align yourself with uh, the aims and the ambitions of others, um, the more progress you'll make. It, it, it's it's really that simple. And, and I think for us to you know, receive that award in testament to our partnerships with, with Bentley, with Radius, uh, with, with others locally, um, was really important to us. And in terms of our staff, our volunteers, it was a night out. Um, it was a it was a night out for the guys. Um, unfortunately, I was struck down by that kind of horrible fluey type virus, which was um, was working its way around. I think most people this winter. Um, so I was I was uh, sidelined on the day, um, but for the the seven or eight that were able to to attend, it was a it was a good night out for them. And um, it's little things like that which you know you talk about motivation and. and re- retention before you know those little kind of events make make things worthwhile for people as well now charles all businesses need to have goals both uh, financial and strategic and a detailed plan to take them forward so talk us through what you have planned to ensure the wishing well continues to support uh, communities throughout the locality in 2023 yeah so we've got a we've got a three-year plan um which we're effectively nine months into there's a couple of things there we'll take homes within that plan where we want to grow geographically we want to we want to reach into mid cheshire we, we've kind of made those uh footprints in the sand with that anyway we you know we we're looking at areas in in, in middlewich and winsford um potentially homes chapel and congleton there's there's areas new areas geographically that we'd like to reach um within the next three years We've asked, we've established ourselves as a as a leading health and wellbeing charity in, in in South Cheshire, and there's there's many people beyond this this local area that are kind of pleased um, or attracted in, in in who we are and what we do. So we we are responding to that call, um, and I dare say you know if it wasn't against the the current challenges you know that, that we're all facing really in terms of the rising costs and so on. You know, we probably would have made that move already, um, but there's we've got to have a level of caution. We've got to, you know, what way what's right for us as an organisation, and we would never prioritise, um, you know, seeking funding or, 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 you know, profit if you like, over the uh, health and well-being of certainly our people, but also the charity as a whole. And then there's, co- there's a couple of other things really. I talk about people. We've got a people pledge. Um, our people pledge is very much about. The focusing on the health and well-being of our people and ensuring that we've got a, a model there that's that is going to retain our colleagues that is going to provide them with that safe working environment um, which is going to have a positive impact on their health and well-being understanding what works well for people in, in terms of their their commitments outside of the organization um, we've got many colleagues who have got um, caring responsibilities whether that's for children or, or for older people 
to take that into account in, in, in terms of how they can work. And I think the you know things like hybrid working, which I think was the new buzz buzzword which came in um, during the pandemic, understanding what works for people, whether that's office-based working, whether it's uh, home-based working, whether it's out in the community, to find that right balance, which is going to bring out the best in our people, but also ensure that it's it, it works well for, for for us as an organisation as well. So that's the people pledge, and then finally the the um, the green pledge or the or the environmental pledge is for us to just be perhaps more um, conscious, I suppose, or aware of, of of our impact on the environment. I think as an organisation we we do a lot of very good things. Um, but I think one of the things I identify which we could perhaps be better at is is the impact we have our, on our environment. So, you know, we've got a fleet of vehicles. We've got we use a lot of um, fuel. We use a lot of uh, you know produce, um, and it's about reevaluating on, on on our position on that. So, you know, reducing wastage. We've just literally a week or uh, two weeks ago received our first um, electric vehicle. Um, so we are transitioning to all of our vehicles being electric powered um, at, the, at the end of this three year plan, which will be a challenge. Um, but I think if, if we were to look at the, the positives, um, if we can achieve that, it'll, it will have an impact locally. And, and it's already inspiring others. Um, I've had a, a couple of messages actually on LinkedIn about, you know, oh, how did you go about doing this? Because we'd like to do something similar. And I think if we can start to make a change, um, which is going to have a positive impact on our environment, and it starts to inspire other people, that can only be a positive thing. Absolutely. Charles, thank you so much for joining us today and explaining what it takes to, to be at the helm of an award-winning charity in the middle of a cost-of-living crisis. Before we go, uh, please tell our listeners where they can find more information about The Wishing Well. So we've got, um, we've got a website. Uh, wishingwellproject.co.uk we're active on on our social media channels so Twitter in particular I think is a a useful one so that's at the wishing well P Um, you'll find us on LinkedIn Um, so I'm I'm, I'm quite an advocate of LinkedIn and and we've got a wishing well page on there as well phone number is 01270 256 919 so any, any queries or any inquiries at all can reach us on our main main office number there or, or drop in and see us. I think that, that that's the other one now. I think for a couple of years we were telling people to kind of stay away or stay at home in the nicest possible way. Uh, but now the doors are very much open again. And, you know, we've got a new children and families hub in, in Crew Town. We've got, as I say, the, our main base is Jubilee House, which is by the Asda Car Park in Crew. And then um, we've got the George's Community Hub as well, which is, like, uh, as I mentioned earlier, in the West End of Crew. So come, come by and see us, come by and have a chat. Um, if we can help um, our local community in any way, if we can work together in any way, then um, we'll, we'll be more, more than happy to have that conversation. Charles, thank you for coming on The Cat today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.